welcome to the Big Six Podcast. I'm Will Brinson, your host for the daily CBS Sports NFL Podcast. Very excited to be back home and, uh, you know, actually in my studio, able to record with my good friends. I'll introduce them in a second because you know what else I'm excited about? The World Series of Poker. Poker fans, it's that time of year again. The World Series of Poker is here, and it's the 50th year of the most popular poker tournament in the world, and you can have a front row seat to the bracelet events with CBS All Access. That's right. We got the World Series of Poker now. Suck at everybody else who tried to get it. Starting now until July 16th, you can live stream the final tables of 33 of the World, World Series of Poker bracelet events, including 25 events that you can't watch anywhere else. The bracelet events include the 100K High Roller and the 100K Six Max, where there's going to be a showdown of some of the biggest names in the game. The stakes are high, the tension is palpable, and the winnings are huge. You can watch all the events online or through the CBS app. Just visit cbs.com slash poker or download the CBS app on your phone or streaming device. You can get a free trial, so start watching today and don't miss any of the action. Sean Wagner, you probably weren't alive for the great poker boom, but I know that Ryan had a stint where he was a vigorous online poker player. Uh, and John Breach, if, if you played poker online, that would be the least surprising thing I ever found out about you. Pay the man his money. Yeah, there you go. A little rounders. I like it. Teddy K. What's, what's the over-under for how long Brinson would last in a World Series of Poker Tournament? Ten minutes? Oh wait! I was gonna say twelve seconds. Whoa! What? I'm good. I'm, I'm a good Go under. I'm a good poker player. Ter- oh, worst okay. poker face on planet Earth. No, 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 no. See, that's the beauty of it. Is I'm so I'm able. To, <laughs> uh, you, I'm not gonna tell you the tricks of it, but I'm able to act like a doofus. Um, on command. Oh, that's an act. Yeah, that's oh. right. Yeah. <laughs> You've been doing this for. 15 years? This yep. entire persona is just an accident. It's, it's a long it's, game, Sean. It's a stick. I'm really boring in person. That's not I never true. played online poker, but I was really into rounders because I was a huge Matt Damon fan, Ed Norton fan. KGB was, was legit, but um, I never got into online Mal- poker. Malkovich? Yeah. With the Oreos? Yeah. Um, I, I got hooked when uh, Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker 2003-2004 because I, I just turned 21. And I was like, oh, my God, I can gamble legally. And that whole thing took the nation by storm. And then, you know, Wilson talked about rounders. That, that was big, too, right? By the way, I just realized, I forgot, John and I talked about this our various times together in the spring. At some point, he was like a huge – I don't know if we can talk about this legally, but he was a huge, <laughs> successful gambling star in his little hometown. John Breach? Yeah, apparently he was really good. Uh, well, oh, his Mac was his 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 beat, and he was crushing the Mac. He was a bookie. He was a Mac bookie. I don't know if he was even a bookie, but he was betting all the like the Mac football games because he had all the inside information. Weren't you? Hey, a, man, weren't you? Before a, the internet, before the internet, there was no way to get information on these guys. And I was working at a Mac school, and you knew everything that kind of was going on. So you'd see a point spread in the Mid American Conference, but like, okay, well, they have no idea what they're talking about. Because who has better information in 2003, 2004? Some guys in Vegas who are 3,000 miles away about the Mac, uh, you know, or someone who actually has information on the football teams. Uh, the guy, the guys in Vegas. But uh, I should point That's out. That's actually not true. We should point Kenny out. White told us at the, at, the, at the Super Bowl, for instance, about how he would do research on teams. Like some crazy, like what's the uh, what's the, the military school in South Carolina? It was the Citadels. Uh, they changed the they changed the right. pace. They changed the pace. Yeah, exactly. we we won a bunch of money betting on the Citadel unders. Um, <laughs> and by the way, Ryan Wilson was a bookie in college, but you didn't know that. Oh, terrible! It, it, it was <laughs> super lucrative until who, uh, who amongst us wasn't a bookie in college? Until it wasn't. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Sean, were you a bookie in college? 
No, I was working at the Daily Calendar. Have you ever placed a bet? No. Yeah. Wow. No. no. You, you never bet like a bad thing. Lee Singer was going to go to jail or not? <laughs> oh, jeez. Have you I'm ever ha- have you ever played poker? Of course, I play poker like twice a month. I have a, a group of friends that we have poker night. Sean, oh, Sean awesome. plays. Sean plays go fish for money. That's that's his gambling. I bet Sean Sean's like secretly the best poker player out of this group. No I, consider, I would feel pretty confident if the four was. Played. He's terrible at math. I so consider myself something of a new age quant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's him. Um, you do consider yourself a new age quant, don't you? I do not. He but I consider like myself a, the best poker player here. Well, I just think Sean school. would have the worst poker face. I, I couldn't see him winning. He'd get very frustrated. And I guarantee he wears the You old. think I would have a worse poker face than Brinson? Look at that smirk right now. Look at that guy. <laughs> but see, that's the key is you always have the smirk. And then you don't know which what I'm smirking about. Brinson has 27 doofus faces. You have one irate right. face, Sean. Yeah. And that's <laughs> way. I could see you, like, sweating when you get pocket rockets. I feel like we uh, needed, like, play on camera and record it and put it on That's YouTube. the worst idea you've ever Let's had. Let's do it. And Let's we and we all have a $2,500 buy-in, and then the winner has to play in the World Series of uh, Poker next year. There we go. Okay, yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm not playing for 2500 buy-in. Are you talking about playing over Skype? Because I have, if I have, win, I have aces again. <laughs> Um, okay, let's get to the podcast. But yeah, go to uh, CBS Sports or CBS.com slash poker or download the CBS app on your phone or streaming device. Or we keep talking poker. I don't care. I, 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 we watch my, my roommate in um, college, uh, quit like his job in school and was a professional online poker player and was raking for a while. And then what's he doing now? Uh, he is in Tampa. Don't, we don't, um, Wes. Haven't talked to Wes in a while. Hope he's doing well. I don't know if he listens or not, maybe. Uh, but he, uh, he's in Tampa with his kids. He's got some kids down there and apparently has a, uh, season, a year long season pass to Disney. So that's exciting. Hmm. Is that because he works at Disney now? Uh, he is a, he is a Mickey, he's a goofy. There you so, go. Um, anyway, I lost my power cord. Sorry. Uh, so we're going to get to the AFC North. Before we do that, let's touch on some news. Reminders, Pick 6 Podcast, daily, almost always daily, until I have a technological screw-up um, podcast. We're going to talk the Fantasy 150 next week with Jamie Eisenberg. Excited about that. We're going to do the AFC North over-unders today. I posted my story on that, a very clickbaity headline. Pump the brakes on the Browns bandwagon. Steelers could return to AFC North glory other headlines from around the NFL today. Some owners, as Ryan Wilson wrote, could reportedly push for an 18-game season during labor talks. I mentioned this briefly on yesterday's podcast. What are your thoughts, Ryan, on the idea of 18 games being a thing in the NFL in the future? Well, let me just preface this by saying that on Wednesday night at 5 p.m., I was on um, Richmond's radio with my guy Wes McElroy, and I made a point out of nowhere to just to, to make it clear that we've sort of lost touch with the 18 game conversation. It's clearly gone away. We'll never hear about it again because there are other sources of revenue, mostly the streaming, Amazon Prime, Yahoo, Twitter, money source. Uh, yeah, that blew up my face a couple hours later. <laughs> I, did, I mean, look, it happened at the uh, the 2011 CBA conversations. It was on the table because obviously it's a way to make more money. Roger Goodell's. Uh, sort of stance on this is that you reduce the preseason by two games and just add those two games onto the regular season. And the NFLPA has been adamantly against it from the get-go, mostly because of, of injuries. And also um, Eric Winston, the head of the NFLPA, uh, actually, what's his exact title? He's the uh, 
Mm, he's the president. He's and president. Murray Smith is the executive director. Thank you. He Thank once, you, once played for the Bengals. I know everything about his life. My name is John Thank Breach. You, I'm a partner. Are you making fun of me? Because it's true. So, so I'm not even offended. Brinson also does the same like fake voice for both me and you or like anyone on this podcast he's trying to make fun of. Um, I, I like I Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Eric Woodson also pointed out um, a few months ago, I believe, maybe even last last um, last fall, that in addition to the injuries, the other issue is that even though there'll be more, more money coming in for the players, most of that money will go to the, the top players, the high, the high pay quarterbacks and, and wide receivers, and not so much to the everyday bottom of the roster guys, and that's a concern as well. So um, I, it didn't say – Mark Maskey wrote this for the Washington Post. didn't say how many owners were on board with this, but clearly some were. We know Jerry Jones was on it previously. I can't imagine he's changed his mind because, um, again, there's going to be new legal gambling money to, to consider, and um, billionaires typically like making more money, so that's why it's going to be on the table. The problem – I thought of that Mark Maskey article, and I – again, I, re- I mentioned this yesterday – and I'm curious what you guys think, but um, he's like, I mean, I don't want to source guess on Mark Maskey, but he's like, some owners would consider additionally uh, like easing up the penalties for, or like easing up the marijuana policy and, and maybe taking personal conduct uh, out of Roger Goodell's hands. It's like, they'd consider it. Like they've been saying they're going to change it for five years. They've made that abundantly clear but now they're like, oh, we might only do that if they give us 18 games. And I, I maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like I've been talking about this on the uh, talk about that on this very podcast for like two years about how that this is how it's going to play out. And the NFLPA is going to be like, we got a great win, no more Roger Goodell punishments. No, everybody can smoke weed. And they're like, but you are playing 18 games. Yeah, no, I mean it's here's the issue, and this was the issue in 2011. When you have billionaires going up against a handful of millionaires and a bunch of people that make six figures, guess who's going to win in a staring contest about who can last the longest without having to pay, you know, when they have to pay their bills without having a job? So, I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to. I think easing up the marijuana restrictions is a, is a step in the right direction. But as you point out, Wilbur, that seemed to be on the table already. And it's just a matter. Of, well, here's something else that Roger Goodell has said from 2012 ish until 2018. That they will not do the, t- the 18 game schedule unless the players are on board. I suspect he will be willing to change his tune if the 31 owners and the Packers say, guess what we're going to do. So I don't know. We'll see. It does. I don't, I am against the 18 game schedule. Prisco seems to be sure it's going to happen, but why, why, why do we need more football for guys to get hurt? Uh, they're going to expand, they're probably expanding the playoff pool. I'm less worried about that, but I, I think it works the way it is now. But again, no, no one's really asking me. I don't think they should expand the playoff pool. I feel like every wild card weekend we have that terrible. In the past, it was like the Texans nine win team against like Breach's Bengals, and JJ Watt was like providing the only entertainment, picking off like Andy Dalton at the line of scrimmage. I don't think we need more eight and eight, seven nine teams into the playoffs and having a crappy first round because it seems like that first round always has at least one bad game with one team that's really not playoff worthy. Yeah, but if you're the NFL and you're saying, all right, guys, we will get rid of marijuana, everything Brinson said, uh, cut down on Goodell's power, but you have to agree to one of the two, either 18 games or an expanded playoff, what do you think the NFLPA would agree to? Playoffs? Yeah, I think it would be the playoffs because not every team is going to be playing extra games, only those two teams that sneak in. So, And that's only that's not even extra game because they just play on wild card weekend. It doesn't really add any games because you're not adding an extra round of the postseason. 
Uh, so I, I would think that if one of those two were going to happen, it would probably be the expanded playoffs. And unlike Sean, I actually love NFL football. I don't even know how you cover this. Reach your, bang, your Bengals aren't going to aren't going to get that extra playoff spot. Well, no. we're about to talk about them, but we'll talk about that in a second. They will. Uh, but so <laughs> an expanded playoff, like you're going to watch. It doesn't matter if you think that the first round of the wild card. It doesn't matter if you think that a game or two is a total toilet fest. You're going to watch. That's the bottom line. The NFL is going to make more money. At the end of the day, we're all happy. Does anybody want to see the the playoffs re- the playoff teams reseeded? I would actually be fine with that because I know people whinge about what it. What do you mean? Like after each round or? Well, you know how sometimes the 7-9 and nine team wins their division or whatever and they host a team that went. So don't base it off divisions like. Yeah. Just do use it divisions to determine who makes the playoffs. But once you have your field, just do it off of record. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind either the fact that you have the first and the second seeds or like you give expand the playoff field on each side by one team and give whoever is the number one seed in the conference a double bye. Like, I don't mind that. So I the mean, Patriots won't play for a month is what you're saying. I mean, reward the team for getting the top seed. Like, it's a huge deal. You're the best team in the, the world. Or oh, the Patriots would have been the third seed because the, the Chargers and Chiefs went 12 and 4. Well, that's and the was... Patriots went 11 and 5. Oh, okay. I'm on with that then. <laughs> <laughs> I retract my previous comment. <laughs> um, also, uh, from Mark Burns of morningconsult.com. The NFL is uh, easing its alcohol policy. The revised, this is via Pro Football Talk. Under the new version of the policy, beers that partner with teams will be permitted to use images of players when marketing their products. The revised policy will also allow liquor brands to use team logos with those distilled spirits being known as the official whiskey, tequila, vodka, whatever, or the team in question. Wines will receive a similar treatment. Woo! I thought this meant that... Um, uh, What's his face? Adam Gates will be allowed to drink on the sidelines. <laughs> this is actually just so Jerry Jones can have like cowboy Johnny Walker silver official Cowboys liquor. Do um, we think Adam Gates is the biggest boozer of the? Was that your? Was that the no, implication? Just because the Jets are terrible. Okay. I would bet he is a teetotaler. I would bet he is not a teetotaler, but I bet he likes to slam Coors Lights. <laughs> Twenty-seven Coors Lights later. I bet he likes to, like, I'm going to crush some film and drink some Coors Lights. Hell yes. That like That's him. another way to bring in money, but I feel like you have to be a little careful with this because, like, you know, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, you don't want to go out fully embracing alcohol and telling everyone to drink when you have a general manager who just got ripped for a, a DUI a couple of years ago. I'm just, it's just a fine line to walk, you know. Just, uh, but, you know, I drink, you guys drink. And uh, Sean's, there's, Sean's a, bang- there's right a Bengals now. logo on my beer. I'm more likely to drink it. Sean is drinking right now. It's his. He's working this afternoon. It's like 10:30 a.m. This isn't this even time. a funny bit. I don't. And he's but... chugging. He's got a beer helmet on. Cowboy. <laughs> That's his... Have you ever seen Sean? Imagine him with a beer helmet on. It's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. Jump um... and logo on the side of it. <laughs> Sean doesn't drink anything harder than Capri Sun. Would you drink Bengal, the official tequila of the Bengals, John? Uh, yeah, I would down that stuff. I would down a bottle a night. They had the Bengals logo on it. By the way, that's what he was doing in Mexico. He was like turtle back on the on the last season of Entourage. He was a Mexico tequila brand. Seriously, breaches tequila. That would that would be the least surprising thing on the planet. Um, anything else in the news? Um, Gerald McCoy remains unsigned. I don't know if we're going to talk about it because I'm sure he'll sign as soon as we talk about it. 
I don't think we need to. I will say that uh, apparently the Jets – oh, the Jets reportedly – Sean, you probably write about this because I don't think Ryan wrote about it. Uh, the Jets reportedly <laughs> – I do not write about whatever you're going to say, but – You're not going to write about it? Oh, I did not write about it yet. I'm saying you could – I bet you will write about it this afternoon if you don't well, know about it. Uh, the Jets named a new mascot. Yeah, I'm not going to write about it. No, I'm just kidding. The Jets reportedly met with Cliff Kingsbury – before firing Todd Bowles and Cliff Kingsbury's agent to talk about hiring him. Mm, what do you think about that spice? So they met with them to potentially hire him to replace Todd Bowles is the implication. From in uh, November, December, I from, believe is what from friend, from friend of the program, Manish Mehta, having a good month. General, General Manager Mike McCagney, Top Lieutenant Brian Heimerdinger, Agent Eric Burkhart, and Johnson, as in Christopher Johnson, had wine over dinner at Johnson's sprawling Manhattan condo. During a 10-day window in late November, early December, while the Jets were plummeting towards the bottom of the division, uh, exploring the possibilities of landing former Texas Tech coach Cliff Kingsbury, while Todd Bowles twisted in the wind for the final month of a four-win campaign. According That's not to scandalous at all to me. I would rather have Cliff Kingsbury than Adam Gase. That's my hot take for the show. Because I'm not saying Cliff Kingsbury's good, but I'm just saying we don't know if he's good, and I don't. I think, at least I think. I know that Adam Gase is not good. So I'd rather take a chance on the guy who has the potential to develop and do a good play caller because if Adam Gase's thing is supposedly he's an offensive guru, I have not seen that in, since he was with Peyton Manning in Denver. Uh, and there's more. The rendezvous at Johnson's apartment. Oh, no, wait, hold on. The secret meet and greet with Burkhardt, who ultimately land, landed a deal with Kingsbury to become the Cardinals head coach, was just a piece of a poorly designed strategy by, one, by a neophyte owner, one who wanted to get ahead of a head coaching search while keeping his current coach in place. He goes on to say that, um, that Johnson, uh, Johnson used a confidant as an intermediary late in the season to touch base with the camps of at least two established head coaches, according to sources. The judge's proposals were crystal clear. The news learned that the established coach would have total control with the power to keep or fire McCagnan. Ouch. You buying or selling all this, biz? Um, selling. Yeah. By the way, George Patton, the uh, assistant GM of Minnesota, reportedly declined an interview, interview for the Jets GM job. He also uh, backed out of it back in uh, 2015 when they hired McCagnan. He, along with Ryan Pace, and there were a couple other guys, um, DaCosta in Baltimore and Chris Ballard. Those are all the guys that backed out of it back in 2015. George Patton, still in Minnesota, said no thanks again. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I suspect it's going to work out poorly, hence my comment about Adam Gase drinking course lights on the sidelines. Oh, and, and I'm selling this too, real quick. I don't think it's a big deal that you're interviewing people for. I, I think it's like having a girlfriend in December that you plan on breaking up with. Like, you don't want to dump her around the holidays because you're a horrible person. You wait till January, then you get rid of her. That's the equivalent of an in-season coach firing. You don't need to. Uh, if you know you're going to fire Bulls, you don't need to do it. Just wait to do it till the the end of the season, which is what they did. And if you know you're going to do it, there's no problem talking to other people. So you think if if you're going to break up with a girl. You know that at the beginning of December you're going to break up with a girl, but you wait until after the holidays. You think before you do it, you're, you can go on dates with other with other women? Is uh, that, no, is that what you're There's saying? No dates. They're not dates. Just, no, you just go to your just, friend's beach house and you enjoy You're looking it. at the menu, Sean. You're looking at the menu. It's called window shopping, Sean. Thank it you, It's like the thing that the Jets reportedly did would be considered a date with Cliff Kingsbury. It didn't work out. They went there. It wasn't there. even there. Sean, do you even know what a date is? I actually feel like what they're not were... getting. This is just an excuse for Brinson to bring up my dating life, and I don't want to do it. Get into this. How's how's it going? 
Let's let's move on to. That means it's going. Brian had a heart out at at two thirty. Yeah, he's willing to he's willing to break that heart out. Two twenty seven. So um, yeah. even started. The I, will, I will also add. The, the, really quickly, Johnson's interest. This is again from Meta, um, or Manish. Johnson's interest in Kingsbury was fueled in part by TV personality slash sideline reporter Peter Schrager, according to sources. Schrager broke the news on January 8th that Kingsbury was going to be Arizona's next head coach. A little bit of heat from Manish here. The news reported last week that Schrager's name surfaced during internal discussions about the team's GM search in the wake of McCagney's ouster. The Jets also told people that they felt comfortable turning to Schrager, who is a close friend of the Jets CEO, as a resource for a Opinions, suggestions, or ideas if needed. So the fact that Schrager, who attended Johnson's wedding last summer, had influence on the acting owner's head coaching search shouldn't be surprising. Schrager, who didn't return several requests for comments, said on television last week that he had yet to be contacted by the Jets uh, regarding assistance on the GM search. So that's how, you know, that's like point and gawk funny. But at the end of the day, I don't know what it adds to the story other than to, to burn a, a bridge you may at some point need. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we're going to see Manish on Good Morning Football anytime soon. <laughs> uh, he, I mean, I, I just don't even know what to make of it. Like, even if Chris Johnson is consulting with Schrager about the GM search, what does it add to that story? Because we don't know anything about the details Schrager may or may not have offered other than the fact that he went to Johnson's wedding. You know, two rich guys go to one another's weddings. That's not really news. I mean, sounds like. Schrager's a rich guy, I guess. Um, sounds like, I mean, just, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, it's not inconceivable with the Schrager, but like, I think Kingsbury's a great coach. And Christopher Johnson, like, Christopher Johnson's like, I'm looking at other coaches. Do you know anybody who might be good candidates? Schrager broke, broke the news that Kingsbury was getting hired by the Cardinals, by the way. I know. I, said, I just, I literally just said that a few minutes ago. Oh, I wasn't listening. I was yeah. thinking about Sean's daddy in life. Sorry. Uh, how's it going, Sean? AFC Still terrible. Over unders. All right. Let's take a quick break. Like Sean's dating life. And then we're right back to break down the AFC North. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your 
family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So seriously, Sean, how are things? Terrible. The same as we last talked. Okay. Let, let's move on. No one wants to listen. Like, I would you like, might want to listen to it, but no one wants to listen to I it. I would like to confirm that I have not been contacted by any former or current uh, <laughs> uh, Where is this going? Former or current uh, fans of Sean to suggest that Flings. they're Flings. Liaisons. Yes, liaisons. Sean liaisons. Uh, to, to let me know that they listen to the podcast. So I think you're, I think you're off the hook here. So I'm in, I'm at least like exploring the right group of people because I, as we said, if someone's listing your, as your I, podcast, as I said, if somebody's listening to this podcast on a daily basis, you shouldn't be dating them. Sean's DMs are open. Yeah. Slide on it. No, they're not, but slide on in anyway. Um, just bust through that door. Okay. AFC North. Let's start with the Cleveland Browns. <sighs> the Cleveland Browns are the team with the top win total in the AFC North. The hype is out of control. Over, under. I'll let you go, Sean, because I feel like you're the Browns oh. guy. You've got Bengals and Steelers guy. Over, under, nine wins. Over is minus 140. Under is plus 120. I'm going over, although I don't like the odds. If if we weren't doing the odds, if it was just what did I think, I would definitely take over nine. I'll still take it even with the odds. Um the only question facing them is, can they handle expectations? And that's a fair thing to wonder, but usually the NFL talent wins out, and they are the most talented team in the division. I actually think, we'll talk about the Steelers in a second, I think there'll be two 10-win teams in that division. Um, so I think both I think both the Browns and the Steelers can hit, hit their overs. Hmm. I actually agree with Sean, which I don't like to say out loud. Oh, yeah. Look, that team went seven, eight, and one last year, and that's with Hugh Jackson coaching the first six or seven weeks of the year and and doing his best to keep Baker off the field. And he was not convinced that Tyrod was worse than Baker. He needed to see more film, quote unquote, after Baker's first game. So, I mean, if you win seven games with with a coaching staff that only showed up for half the year, uh, I, I feel like you can win three more. And it's actually a better football team now than it was then, which is actually sort of scary. So they could win ten games, but again. I, I am worried about the expectations. I am worried about Freddie Kitchen sort of dealing with everything that comes with being a coach. But I think Baker Mayfield, if he can leave uh, Colin Coward alone, will, will actually be fine. I disagree with both of you. Mm. Well, we're we're accounting for the Browns getting two wins against the Bengals, and you're probably the opposite. So <laughs> well, that me, would explain well, it. Sean, let, that's none of your business what I'm accounting for. Well, let me, well, no, very, very, that would be the time to explain it. Very quickly, let me just point out. I want to point out the schedule just see what you guys think because – they have three out of their first six games are on prime time. Two of those games are on the road. They open up with the Titans at home, the Jets on the road on Monday night football, the Rams at home on Sunday night football, the Ravens on the road, the 49ers on the road on Monday night football, and the Seahawks at home before their week seven bye. I don't, I think four and two. That would be really good if they go four and two there. Yeah. I think three and three is realistic. Um, and I don't think two and four would be that shocking for any team with that schedule. Well, Brenton, and what you just read, I was going to go a little bit further than that and why I think they're going to go, I don't even know under, I think they're going to go nine and seven. I just want to bet on their win total like uh, our boy Matt Tabeek did with the Raiders two years ago. I just want an exact record. I want nine and seven. That's what I think it's going to be. I'm going under because I think probably eight and eight. But there's that stretch, the week three to week eight, where they play the Rams 
Then they play at Baltimore, at San Francisco. The Monday nighter you mentioned, which as long as Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't tear his ACL again, that's going to be a tough game to go across the country, play in prime time. Then on a short week, you have to fly back and play the Seahawks. Uh, across, you know, you're flying back from San Francisco across the country, playing the Seahawks at home. Then you're by, then the Patriots in New England. So I think those five games are potentially going to make or break the season. I mean, I could see them going one and four in those five. Like they could start two and oh and lose their next five games pretty easily. Like that wouldn't, and like that's not even a insult on the Browns. I mean, just I think anybody, they play the Rams at the Ravens, at the 49ers, Seahawks at home, at the Patriots. You can go 0 and 5 on that stretch. Anybody in the NFL could go 0 and 5 on that stretch. At Denver, um, the following week after that Patriots game, I don't think that's an easy win either. I think the Denver team at home will be tough. Joe Flacco, President Fan Club speaking. Denver's a hard place to play. And they It'll have, be tough for Miles Garrett to get to that statue back there. Well, no, they have, they have three home games following that, but it's the Bills and then the Steelers on a short week on a Thursday night game and then the Dolphins. So, I mean, like, they could easily, like, they could go three and oh in that stretch. And two games in three weeks against the Steelers in that stretch where you're going. I ultimately think that they are going to be somewhere in the range of six and six heading into week 14 against Cincinnati at home. And they close with the Bengals at the Cardinals, the Ravens and at the Bengals. And they could go four and oh in that stretch and they could end up being 10 and six. I think that's going to be the difference between eight and eight, 10 and six. I, I don't think as good as this team might be. I just don't think they're going to smash through this win total by like week 12. Like, I don't think they're going to be a nine and two team. You know what I mean? Like, does anybody think that? So are no, you I taking the over or the under, Brinson? I'm taking the I'm under. Confused. I'm taking the under. What? Two to two? I think that when you look at this under, it is juiced up at 140. The over is juiced up at 140. The numbers climb because of public support for them. They have a rookie head coach. I think Freddie Kitchen is going to be awesome. I like the idea of Todd Munkin and Steve Wilkes there, but it is a rookie head coach. You don't know how he's going to do in his first year. Um, you have Greg Robinson starting at left tackle, which is sort of a problem. You know, I've Evan Zeilers was traded. That's a problem too. Yeah, they're, they're, that's me on Twitter. The offensive line is not a, a guarantee to be great. And while I like the defense, I don't know if I love the defense. Why not? That defense on paper is amazing. The front four is good, and Christian Kirksey's awesome. Denzel Ward couldn't stay healthy last year. I'm not sure the secondary is great. I don't know. Good. It's okay. All right. I I just think that the expe- the expectation for the Browns is that they're going to win ten games, and anything less is a failure. A lot, everything has to go right for them to win ten games. I think so too. The Steelers have a very low win total for the Pittsburgh Steelers, also at nine. Underneath the Browns, though, because they are juiced over minus 125. I, as noted by my title from earlier, have planted my flag in the Steelers bandwagon. I love this over. It's one of my best bets of the season. And I think Pittsburgh is a uh, sort of a, a sleeper. I don't know how they're a sleeper team in the in the AFC North, but I think they kind of are, Sean. I, or, you know, unless you want to give it to Ryan first. I think Big Ben's a sleeper for MVP, and I love the Steelers over. Ryan would. Do you want me to hand it over to you? You go ahead, Sean. You're younger. Thanks, thanks Ryan. Uh, no, I agree. I, this would be my favorite bet in the division, uh, more, more so than Browns, just because the odds are better. Yes, they lost Antonio Brown. Yes, this is the first time they're, they're officially without Le'Veon Bell, although they didn't have him last year, so that doesn't really matter. Most of their offensive line is back. I think everyone except their right tackle. Um, Ryan can correct me if I'm wrong. So I still think they're going to run the ball really well. Um, that offensive line has been a really good run-blocking unit. Um, they did lose their offensive line coach. That could be a little bit of a concern. 
you know, for as much as we not make fun of, but criticize Big Ben for his leadership, he's still been incredibly productive in terms of just playing football. They lost Antonio Brown, but they have Juju Smith-Schuster, the best guy to possibly inherit um, Antonio Brown's place. They got a linebacker in the draft. I, I think this team is a little bit more complete uh, than we're giving them credit for, just because they lost, you know, two superstars this offseason officially. And if we're talking about dealing with expectations, the team that's best um, position to capitalize the Browns falter is the Steelers. They've been there before. Uh, the, they kind of have less expectations or at least the weight of carrying Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell is kind of off them. Um, so I think they're a 10 win team and I think they're a playoff team. So two things. Uh, Mike Munchak, the offensive coordinator is going to be a offensive line coach. Excuse yes. me. It's going to be a huge loss. Where did, so, where did he go? Where did he Denver. go? Ryan, say his name. He went to Denver to, Joe to watch Flacco. Joe Flacco take a whooping. So that, that's actually got to sort that out. His understudy is is now taking over the full time job. We'll see how much he paid attention in the years that Munchak was there. Hey, that's I, one I, thing. I, 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 just out of curiosity on the Munchak thing, because I agree with you, that is the scariest thing about the Steelers for me. And I mentioned that. Do you think it's possible that the drop off from Munchak is not immediately a problem because of all the veterans they have on the offensive line and sort of the continuity they have there? No, that very well could be. Um, Marcus, uh, what's his name, was traded to the Gilbert. <clears throat> Gilbert, thank you, straight to the Cardinals. So they they have they don't have issues at right tackle, but he won't be there. He didn't play. I think he played half the season last year because of injury, and I think he was suspended um, for taking some some performance enhancing substance. Anyway, the other sort of part B to, to my comment is part of me wonders, and, and Sean sort of touched on Roethlisberger sort of goofing on him for being a, a team leader. I wonder if this very public AB slapping around sort of shook him loose. He seems to be kinder and gentler. Uh, more inclusive. We'll see if that means or means any things or, or works with these younger players. But it can't hurt not to be a jerk, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, we make fun of Tom Brady for all the sort of goofy stuff he does, but you've never heard one teammate come out and say they hate Tom Brady. They all seem to, to love him. Aaron Rodgers is at the other end of the spectrum, so uh, maybe Ben Roethlisberger can be somewhere in the middle. Uh, we'll see. I think defensively, that's where they need to improve the most. I think they did that with Devin Bush. They traded up for They signed Steve Nelson, the cornerback out of Kansas City. They drafted another cornerback in the third round. So I think defensively is where they need to improve. I think offensively won't be an issue because Big Ben is where it starts. And he won't now have to throw the ball 40 times a game to Antonio Brown because he's not there. So perhaps maybe the offense becomes more balanced. I got some bad news for Pick 6 podcast listeners who were hoping to bet on Ben Roethlisberger as Super Bowl MVP or regular season MVP. I'm not saying that I moved the line. But he's 20, but. He's 25 to 1 on sportsbook.com now. He was 50 to 1 when it was mentioned by me. So, oh. <laughs> Who else is on that list? Uh, now at twenty-five to one as well is Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, uh, Philip Rivers, thirty to one, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy, he was Ben Roethlisberger was behind Alvin Kamara, Aaron Donald, Saquon Barkley, and Jimmy Garoppolo. It was a great value. I hope, I hope some people out there got it in. Saquon Barkley. Andrew Luck is the number two favorite. Yes, he's behind Saquon Barkley. For the Super Bowl MVP? No, for regular season. MVP. Oh, oh. That's, it's still just as ridiculous, though. It's more ridiculous. Let's <laughs> Saquon Barkley. No, no, no. It's more ridiculous to say Saquon was going to win Super Bowl MVP because the Giants ain't getting to the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, but like if he won regular season MVP, they'd be good enough to like get to the Super Bowl, you know? I, I don't know. Um, but at any rate, that line moved dramatically. I hope people out there got it at 50 to 1 because um, it's not coming back. Andrew Luck is five and a half to one to win MVP. Aaron Rodgers is ten to one. That's good value. Take Andrew Luck took a year off, came up back and tore up the NFL. Now that he has a year under him. I mean, I don't think that's that crazy 
looking at the odds. Patrick Mahomes. You rather have Andrew Luck or, or Aaron Rodgers? That's not a fair question. For this year or yeah, just this longer. 2019. Playing for the Packers or playing for the Colts? Playing for the Bengals. Ooh. <laughs> I'm taking Andrew Luck. Or who's the other person? Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. I'll take Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'm probably taking Aaron Rodgers. That's why you got But it. it's closer. It's way closer than, uh, you know, like that's a that's a good debate. Would you rather have Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers? If you're starting a franchise tomorrow, you know, which quarterback would you have? But for the Steelers, I'll make mine quick. Did Ryan, I, did Ryan even make his second point? I don't remember. Did yeah, the first Wait, point was, was first point? the second point was Big Ben being nicer. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with Wilson, I think, and Sean, I think that this isn't over. I just feel like it is a team that's being overlooked, but their schedule does scare me a little bit. A, they have two games in California, which I'm only mentioning because I'm sure Wilson could uh gladly tell you how badly the Steelers play on the mm. West Coast. Yeah, they can't even beat the Raiders. Guess how many games the Steelers have won? In the Pacific time zone under Mike Tomlin. One. None come to mind. So I don't know if they actually have won any over there. They beat the Raiders last year, remember? No, wait, they crapped their pants no. and they lost <laughs> the Raiders. That's right. They missed the playoffs. Have they won any games on the West Coast, John? The answer is one. Who? Princeton, you, Who? You got it with the, they beat the Chargers in San Diego. What year was that? Oh, that was a close game. Was yeah, it was a close game. It was 24 to 20. That was a so, Mike game. You put two games out there, right. and those aren't locks at all. I mean, obviously, if the Steelers prove anything, it's they they don't know how to handle themselves on a plane ride. I don't know what it is. They get bored. They, they their body gets stiff from sitting down for five hours. I don't know. But they're they can't playing win that those. they're playing that game that uh, Brian McFadden talked about. That they played they played to like four a.m. before they won that game. Out, so. But so they have games at San Francisco at the Chargers. And then there are two openers, the two first two games of the season against the Patriots and against the Seahawks. They could start 0-2, and then all of a sudden it's tough to get to 10 wins when you start 0-2. So I think we all feel the same way, but they've got – the schedule is not going to be easy, especially the front half of it. I would, I'm going to agree with you on the front half of the schedule. Um, yeah, back half. Yeah. At Patriots, Seahawks, at 49ers, Bengals at home, Ravens at home, at Chargers. That's the first six games. I mean, if they started out 3-3, three and three, I don't think it would be entirely stunning – um, but people would be freaking out about it, maybe. Are you, why are you zoomed in on my face, Sean? It's very weird. I'm not looking at you. I'm trying to read something. Uh, but then the bat, out of the, out of the week seven bye, Dolphins at home, Colts at home, Rams at home, at Browns on a short week, at Bengals, Browns at home, and then they close at Cardinals, Bills, at Jets, at Ravens. That is six wins at least in that stretch. Yeah, we'll see. Nope, nope. Don't sleep on that Dolphins game. That's the game they could lose. No, no, it's at Jets in Week 16 when they're like fighting for the division. Yep, that game too. Or at Arizona in Week 14. Le'Veon, the Le'Veon Bell is going to knock the Steelers out of the playoffs game. They, they I mean, like, oh, that'd be so fitting. Ryan has chronicled this. Ryan has chronicled this for the last five years. Every single season, they completely ass the bed against a non-division opponent who's like well below 500. Or a division yeah. opponent. That one year they threw seven interceptions against the Browns and lost that game, 2014. They almost lost to the Bengals in the almost finale last year. If Le'Veon Bell knocks for breach. the Steelers out of the playoffs this year, I am 100% Brian. I'm getting Ryan a Le'Veon Bell Jets jersey for Christmas. 
By the way, you know, like John is like usually typically the, the nicest person. When it gets to the end of the season and the Bengals have already crapped the bed and the Steelers may, may lose a game like we were just talking about. Oh my God. He, he was, take, he was rooting so hard against the Steelers. He hilarious. takes no greater pleasure than coming into Slack and calling stories that he knows will infuriate me and that no one else wants to read about. I'd say, Ryan, do you hear about the latest Antonio Brown drama? Don't know if you heard it at Ryan Wilson, like tagging you in Slack. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, but I, by the way, I, I also think the Steelers defense is a sleeper to be really good this year. Is that crazy? Would you rather have the Browns defense or the Steelers defense? Because you were just talking some, I would rather some have, crap. I would rather have the Steelers. Browns. I'd rather have the Browns. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, no, both no. of the secondaries are kind of the questions, but I think you can see a little bit more potential in the Browns secondary if Denzel Ward stays healthy and he's talked about how he's changing his tackling because he had concussion problems. So I think there's a little bit more potential in the back end of the Browns defense. And I don't know. I feel like we've been watching the Steelers secondary for years and it's been awful. Say to Brian McFadden's face. Who do they add? Yeah, they were, they were actually 13th last year, according to football outsiders, but go ahead, Sean. Mm. Nerd. Mm. Throwing out his analytics. <laughs> Good comeback. I used the eye test. Cleveland was 12th. They were basically dead even and they got Devin Bush. Yeah. All right, Bay. let's get to the best team in this division. The Baltimore Ravens are. Oh, come on. Oh, no, so, no, no. no. <laughs> We're going from the highest to lowest. We uh, get to, we do the Bengals. No, we get to the trash at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Too far. The uh, the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens eight and a half wins over under over is plus one ten under is minus one thirty. Uh, I went back and looked at it. Just to, I've talked about this at, ad nauseum for a year now. But the Ravens' schedule at the end of last season, after they plugged Lamar Jackson in after the bye, it was like hitting the lottery. They got the Bengals, who were 26th in rush defense DVOA, the Raiders, who were 22nd, the Falcons, who were 30th, the Chiefs, who were 32nd, the Buccaneers, who were 31st, the Chargers were 10th, and then the Browns, who were 25th. So six out of their final seven games were against teams who ranked 22nd or worse in the NFL in terms of rush defense by advanced metrics, and three of those were bottom-tier teams. This was a... uh you just don't, this doesn't happen. You don't get that kind of schedule in a row after inserting a rookie quarterback and cutting him loose in the run game. And now to me, they don't have enough weapons in the past game, uh, to, to support Lamar Jackson, who I think is not yet at the stage where he can elevate the people around him. I think he needs, still needs guys elevating him. Uh, they lose defensive players. I, I lean heavily towards the under here. I want to ask John something, um, because he wrote about this last week. So one of the things that Steve Piscotti said, their owner, on a conference call with with, with uh, ticket holders, is that the reason that they ran the ball so much last year was because they wanted to get to the playoffs. And clearly it worked because, they, as you point out, Princeton, a lot of those teams were terrible defensively. But, Breach, you wrote last week that um, when Lamar Jackson showed up to work, he was surprised. That they were installing a new offense. <laughs> I love that. And, and I mean, it is weird. It is weird. Cause you would absolutely think that a, he would have like figured this out on his own if, you know, cause you're not allowed to have a lot of contact with the coaching staff during the off season. Uh, but your team just hired a new offensive coordinator. They fired the guy because they didn't like how one dimensional the offense had become. You have to think if you hire a new offensive coordinator, he is going to bring in his own offense. Lamar Jackson somehow didn't figure it out. And then if that's not bad enough, you know, no one sent him an email that said, Hey, Lamar, get mentally prepared, we're going to be installing a new offense. But the thing is, the Ravens owner, I don't know how he can come out and say that Lamar Jackson is not going to run it 20 times 
per game because he is. He's going to run it like 30 times per game because half his runs are not designed where he's just going to scramble because he'd rather not throw the ball because he doesn't trust his arm. He set the NFL record for rushes by a quarterback in a season. He only started seven games. He broke the entire season record in seven games. So that is absolutely insane. But the thing Brinson talked about how the Ravens lucked into like the easiest rushing schedule uh, of all time. Well, guess what? You know who had the worst rushing defense in the NFL last season? The, the, the two Chiefs. worst rushing defenses in the NFL. The Not Chiefs. overall. Two rushing. Who gave up the most yardage, rushing yardage? Oh, uh, I was doing it by yards per attempt. The answer know. is the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Guess who the Ravens play in the first two weeks of the season? Oh, um, my God. They're going to rush for 2,000 yards. The Cardinals and the Dolphins. Boom. They're 2-0 and out of the gate going to Kansas City. We already talked about how the Steelers <laughs> – they're going to win both those games. They're not going to lose the Dolphins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dolphins on the road. Yeah. Cardinals at home. They're probably winning those I said, games. Yeah, so they're 2 0 going to Kansas City. And we talked about how the Steelers might start 0 2. That flips everything. I honestly think of the three we've talked about so far that the Ravens hitting the over would be the one I'm most confident in. And if I had to put my confidence points here. So I'm taking the over. I didn't say it, but I'm with John. I feel like 8.5 is sort of low for a team that can just run the clock out. Um, their defense will be, I think, a big question mark. <laughs> Uh, uh, my offense is just right in the clock out. <laughs> They're going to win games 13 to 9. I think Brenton is just surprised that you guys are. This is a classic, this is a classic offseason Ryan Wilson trope. Prop up the Ravens, lament yeah. the Steelers, trash the Bengals, talk about how the Browns could be a sleeper, and then yeah. just sit back and watch the Steelers go to the playoffs. And Ryan does it all every year. Hey, it's called being modest. Go ahead, Sean. Um, I wanted to take the over because I like Lamar Jackson, uh, but I actually agree with Brinson. I, and a big reason is they lost a lot on the defense, and obviously adding Earl Thomas is huge, but losing C.J. Mosley in the middle of that defense, losing your two top pass rushers and trying to replace them with Shane Ray and um, uh, who's the Jaylen former? Ferguson. What? Yeah, but who's the – why am I blanking? Chris, on the Bears-Redskins – Pernell McPhee, I yeah, believe yeah, they yeah, signed. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And it's like, they're trying to go like the cheap, you know, buy low, maybe get six sacks out of those guys. I just think they lost a lot of talent on that defense. And if you're going to have a run based offense, you're going to need that defense to be a top, you know, eight, top six unit in DVOA. And I just don't think it's going to be that this year. So I go under, but I think it'll be close. I don't think they're a bad team. Um, I think there won't be a lot of points scored by this team. I just don't, I mean, like, the, here's the one thing that gives me pause on taking the under is Greg Roman's success at almost every stop with running quarterbacks. He did it with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, he did it with, uh, uh, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. He's done a really good job with these running quarterbacks. And so if he can design something that works well with Lamar Jackson, <sighs> they could explode. They have a new offense. Now I want to take the over because, again, it just occurred to me that they're getting two wins against the Bengals. So then you only need to win, what, six – what is it, eight and a half? Yeah. And plus they're starting uh, two against seven. the Dolphins and Cardinals. That gets you off the four, four Sean. They had the, All right, I'm switching. I'm switching. And I'm they played the, the Jets and the Bills. I actually – I think they get the Dolphins on the road week one, Cardinals at home in week two, at the Chiefs week three, so I think that's two and one. Browns at home in week four. I, I don't I think they'll win that game. So that's three and one. At the Steelers, that's a loss. Uh, but close game. Bengals at home. So, and then at Seahawks, I think that's, uh, probably a loss as well. So, I mean, I would have them starting, you know, I mean, four and three going into their bye, but then they get the Patriots at Bengals, Texans at Rams, 49ers at Bills, Jets at Browns and Steelers. 
They could definitely get there. Lamar Jackson's got to take a big leap. He's, I just don't even know if he has the like the players around him necessarily to take the leap. Oh, and we're talking about Greg Roman's success. I like Lamar Jackson, but Kaepernick was a much better, more accurate passer at this stage in their careers than Lamar Jackson is. So I don't know. Marky, so I, I mean, I guess the, I have to decide. I mean, I mean, the problem is you're starting like two rookie wide receivers and Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin. Like they're studs, but they're still rookies. Like, I mean, are they really going to blow up out of the gate? You just run nine routes with Hollywood Brown and you're fine. You have Mark Ingram. I don't think Miles Boykin may not even play that much. If, if this if this offense were good, like top half of the league, it would be a pretty big shock. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It'll be better than it was last year, though. Okay, I'm, I'm taking the under. <laughs> okay. Wait, can't you just flip, flop, flip? Yeah, yeah. You waffled. You waffling here? Yeah, I think it's. They be signed close. Seth Roberts. He's also a pretty solid target too. Come on, go back to the over, Sean. All right. Real. <laughs> I, I I like playing the real. Real Ravens wide receiver or not? <laughs> but we've done it on this podcast like over the last two months. I feel like we'll be able to recognize the names. Jordan Lasley. Who are you asking? I just said he was on the roster. Joe Horn. Ah, stop it! I was gonna say Joe Horn. <laughs> Sean. Sean Pauls. He's like what? Like Joe Horn? Jimmy Joe, uh, Joe Horn? Um, sorry, just kidding. Moving along, the Bengals. This, yes. doo, this doo-doo team. No one's taking the over. Let's just skip it. Uh, it is – I'm taking the over. The win total is six. Over is minus 120 and under is even. I am taking the over. I am. I am taking the over. Here's why. Um, Sean wasn't alive the last time that the Bengals had a coach not named Marvin Lewis. You were born in 2005. Marvin Lewis was hired in 2003. You're only 16 years old. There are people. <laughs> um, this is old man humor. He really is. I, I just think the bump. Like I think I don't know if Zach Taylor's gonna be good or not. I don't think he's gonna be the next Sean McVay and automatically improve the the offense or improve, automatically turn this into like a Star Wars McVay Rams type of offense. Uh, I do think that he will be a significant improvement in terms of what the offense will get over what we have seen before. I think Joe Mixon is going to take a leap into the elite group of running backs. A.J. Green is out there looking for a contract. Tyler Boyd stepped up. Tyler Eifert, maybe he's still healthy. Who knows? It's it's May. It's May. I can, I can pretend like he's healthy. Um, and I think Andy Dalton could have a nice little year uh, knowing that he is also playing to sort of keep his job for the long haul. I think this defense is – I mean, I, I don't know if I buy into um, – like, I, like, I'm concerned about the fact that they couldn't find a defensive coordinator and eventually had to get Lou Anarumo. But uh, I think they've got enough on defense to be dangerous. And well, I, I would say that. That defense was terrible last year. You were terrible last year, Ryan. Stale with, <laughs> I haven't gotten better, though. Just stale with Mario. Paul Lawson will be healthy. Yeah, I mean, you got Gino. That's yeah. That's all I can think of. I like him. He's a good player. Carl Lawson. I like it. So I'm looking at... I think it's Ryan who did the AFC North offseason grades. William Jackson's a stud. And you go look at every team's additions and all that. There's just one player listed under, under key, key additions under the Bengals. Who is it? Jonah Williams? John Miller, offensive guard. What? Does that inspire confidence? Did you stop? Did you brint in this? Did you just stop working midway through your story? <laughs> the best thing is, dude, there's no. a comma after his name, and there's just nothing. You stopped. Else. You stopped working. It's just like, screw it. I'm not wasting my time on this you, team. You didn't add their first round pick, Jonah Williams. <laughs> no, or, no, 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 that's under draft picks. 
the uh, different uh, okay. but it's like key free agent additions. There's offensive guard John Miller, comma, and then just a bunch of blank space. No, he was the only one outside of the outside of the previous free agents who had played in Cincinnati. I mean, they like signed. You, uh, you like did it, and you were expecting there to be more, so you put the comma, and then you went looking. And you're like, you're, I guess that's it. They signed Preston Brown, right? Was he there last year? No, you're right. They they uh, they resigned him. Okay. Uh, Zuma, um, Tyler Eifert, Darkwest, uh, Darkwest Denard, Denard, all guys they brought back. I, I will say this about the Bengals. I, I like, I like the over. I think that they can get, I think they're a six or seven win team. I'm picking the over. I don't, I wouldn't bet on the over. Uh, I would, if there's a bet I like for the Bengals, it would be to get the first pick because I think they're like 15 or 20 to one. Wait, so you're taking the over, but you think they have a good chance to get the top pick? I, they could stink. I mean, this could be a terrible Aren't pick. Well, what is your case that they're going to win more than six games? That Andy I mean, they, Dalton is playing can, for his career. They can suck and win six. Uh, six they games. play the Raiders, Jets, Dolphins, Bills, Cardinals. That's five potential wins right there, Sean. Yeah, but they're not going to win all those five games. These bad you go teams two don't and win four all the in games the division. You go two and four in the Who division. Who are they beating in the division? The Bengals have not gone zero and six in the division in like well, they haven't been twenty years. Bad. They're not okay, going zero and six. Right, I'll let, tell you that. Yeah, whoa, whoa little fire. Let me ask you this. Will they beat the 49ers, Cardinals, and Jaguars at home? Yes. I think so. All of them? I think Yes. I think they'll beat all three of them at home. They have eight games before their week nine bye. Five of them are on the road, which is brutal. And I think there are three games at home before the bye are the 49ers, Cardinals, and Jaguars. I think going into the bye, they will find a way to be three and five. I don't think they're going to win at Baltimore. I don't think they'll win at the Rams. I don't think they'll win at the Steelers. I don't think they'll win at the Bills. The Rams game is in London, just to throw that out. So the Rams have to fly 10,000 trillion miles to get to London. Uh, you know, like if you, if you're playing a team that's better than you, playing them really far away from home on a neutral site, I think would be better than playing them in Los Angeles. The Bengals actually wanted to play them on the moon, but they couldn't schedule it in time. <laughs> How long do you think, like, like Cincinnati, Los Angeles, is that a long time? Is it, I guess, I guess it's like a four hour flight. Is there that much of a difference between their, Actually, their travel? Jesus, there it, is in time zones. It's like 2,000 miles. Do I have miles. to bring up the time zones again, guys? Cincinnati is just, I think Reed it's- just a travel expert. We shouldn't be trying to get the Bengals on the under by bringing up travel miles. I think Cincinnati, I always think of Cincinnati as like much further west than it is. It's 2,175 miles from uh, Los Angeles, a 32 hour drive. If you want, I don't think they would have been driving. So it's a four-hour flight, but it's, yeah. it's, right, right? But it's an extra four hours in, a, in an airplane on to to London. Yeah, basically. but it's not like John Gurdon. These guys can handle sitting in an airplane. Yeah. But my, my point is just that I think that they can be three and five going into the week nine bye. I don't think it's crazy to suggest they'll beat the 49ers, Cardinals, and Jaguars at home. That's not like that's not crazy, right? I don't think they it's win all three of those games. I think it's crazy to say they win all three. Okay, fine. They're, they're, I think they'll find three wins on their schedule before their week nine bye. Then they get after the bye, Ravens at home, at the Raiders, Steelers at home, Jets at home, at Browns, Patriots at home, at Dolphins, Browns at home. So they just have to get three wins in there. You figure one's coming from the division, right? They're not What's going the spread? Six. What's the spread in that Dolphins game on the road? Bengals minus three and a half if Andy Dalton's still healthy. Okay, well, let me ask you this about Andy Dalton. Since he took over as quarterback, how many times have they gone <laughs> under this number? Never. Exactly, Ryan Wilson. Exactly. Andy Dalton, this, this is a lock. Six Getting over six wins is a lock. They started four and one last season. 
They lost four games by one score or less. People love to look at that because there's a lot of luck involved when you lose games by one score or less. So any of those games flip their way. Just two of them, they're eight and eight last year, and not everyone's mocking them. They're going to have a completely wide open offense, which they've never had under Andy Dalton. Look, getting rid of Marvin Lewis was the best offseason move they made. I know Ryan gave him a C minus, but he didn't put that in the key additions as adding Zach Taylor or the key losses dumping Marvin Lewis. So we, we're talking all about, you know, like Kyler Murray teaming up with Cliff Kingsbury. No, Andy Dalton and Zach Taylor is not as sexy as that, but we've seen what Andy Dalton can do when he's in a smart offense. Hugh Jackson ran a smart offense when he was the offense corner, even though Hugh Jackson's a horrible head coach. And so Andy Dalton can produce. I, I will be shocked if this team doesn't win at least eight games. Oh my God. I'm going, that's not crazy. Wait, wait, wait. Ted would be crazy. Wait, can I ask I, you something? Why are we so sure that Andy Dalton's going to be in a smart offense. What has Zach Taylor done, except for being friends with Sean McVay, that has given off indication he is going to run a good offense? When he well, he's not just friends. He, he was, was the, on the coaching staff once. in Los Angeles, yeah, Sean. He was the assistant wide receivers coach for a year, and then the quarterbacks coach, and then he was an interim OC with the Dolphins, and they weren't good. He was the OC at the University of Cincinnati, I believe, and they scored 19 points a game over the course of the season. What have we seen out of Zach Taylor that makes it seem like he's going to be good? Friend, so you, you think the Foss. Bengals he's offense a is going to take a step back Friend of from Sean. last year? I don't think – no, I just don't think there's any reason to project a huge improvement. And by the record, you're, you're quoting or you're, you're citing their record in one-win games. Their expected win-loss total based off point differential was 6-10. and 10. So they went exactly what they were supposed to go. So I think that's a pretty fair reflection. And so, I don't know. So there are Well, the problem with using uh, expected point totals, if you get blown out of two games, like the Bengals did, it skews what... That's the whole yeah, point. That's because that you suck and you got blown lose, out. Yeah, yeah. Bad teams lose in big ways, and that's more indicative of passing in future success. <laughs> I mean, by like, DOA, you, they were yeah. like... Yeah. You know what? You, you know what skews your point differential? Getting blown out. I mean, yeah, that's how that point differential works. You know, you know the gif of Ryan Howard from the office scribbling on his notepad, taking down names. That's breach <laughs> taking down Sean's name. Or the, you're or, on my Aria hit list, Sean. That's right. Or your Billy Madison lipstick list. I don't remember that one. What's that? What? I haven't seen Billy Madison in 15 years. It's uh, Steve Buscemi. He's writing. He's like putting on <laughs> lipstick and writing names on the wall. To, to breach's credit, we probably kind of forget. That Andy Dalton only played in 11 games last year. Oh, look who's and, walking it back already. I'm, no, no, I'm no Andy Dalton fan, but you know, you don't want to be searched Jeff Driscoll for five games. No, I'm still hey, taking the uh, And they I, were five and five when Dalton, when his season ended. So I, I do. That's only one win away from six. Just saying. I do worry a little bit, a lot bit actually about the Bengals ability to be good on defense. I mean, you no, just said the defense way, looks yeah. good. I know. I mean, Look, you can think – you don't have to think one thing about a, a defensive unit. I think they have good players in Geno Atkins and William Jackson. I think Jermaine Pratt will be an impact guy who can oh, pile a bunch of tackles. I, he will be. Um, but look, all I'm saying is that they drop – we don't know anything about this coaching staff. That's the X factor for the Bengals. That's Sean's point. That is, that is Sean. I'm with him. I, I, look, here's what I – I mean, like, I, look, Zach Taylor hey, could hey, be – Get your ideas from Reddit. Don't take it from our mouth. Come on. <laughs> Zach Taylor could be an absolute train wreck. He could be a disaster. Yes. He could Could suck. he be worse than Hugh Jackson slash Marvin Lewis? I mean, it, what's the what's the downside? No, no, I was actually – like, I don't think he's good, but I was okay with him hiring him because who else were they going to hire a bunch of retreads? At least there's a chance Zach Taylor could be good. I just don't think we can 
project because Zach Taylor is coming in, therefore this offense is going to take a leap. I just don't think there's any way to know. So you don't think Zach Taylor can put together a better offense than Bill Lazor? I mean, is that what you're saying here? I don't, I'm saying, like you're saying we've never seen him do that. We've never seen him do that. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing I will say is that even if his offense is only slightly better, the Bengals have a more talented overall offense. So the offense is better just based on talent. The, the biggest weakness in the, was the offensive line. The offensive line is definitely better. They had they have the running back, Joe Mixon, who led the AFC in rushing last year. And obviously have Tyler Board and A.J. Green. Like, the offense is stacked. The offensive line was the weakest. It's, it's, it's still not great, but it's a lot better than on paper than it was last year. And if Dalton has an offensive line, 2015 Dalton shows up. Boom. Ooh. Eight wins. John, I have two Minimum. questions for you. Boom, eight wins. <laughs> Boom, 500, oh, yeah. mother. <laughs> I got two questions for John. Uh, the, the probability that Ryan Finley plays at some point this year and the probability that you think that the Bengals have to win the division. Uh, Ryan Finley, from what I've heard, has just been uh, trash so far. Brenton, thanks for sending him. <laughs> um, so, you're paying you know, him, like, you're paying Jeff Driscoll was bad, but if... Oh, stop it. Stop. Get out of here with this Jeff Driscoll crap. Being the doing? backup quarterback. I don't think it's that I'm crazy. going under. Just, I'm going under. You assaulted Ryan Finley. I'm going under. <laughs> let him finish. But I do think because they drafted Ryan Finley so high that they'll let him be the backup if he's only slightly in the same league. So if it's a close competition, Ryan Finley's going to get the job as the backup. Yes. Uh Brinson just gave me this great face. I mean, Ryan Finley's going to be the backup, and he's going to play. He's going to start well, two plus games. Ryan Finley's going to start all sixteen games because he'll beat out Andy Dalton because he went to <laughs> NC State, and he has drank Russell Wilson's blood and Philip Rivers' blood, and so he's a Superman. <laughs> you know how awesome it would be if he beat out Andy Dalton and we just played. Rich that is so angry right now. Uh, wait, hold on. So, question two: What are the percentages that the Bengals win the division? I would put it at. Please don't say twelve or higher. It's double say, that, Brent. He's going to say 25. Oh, my God. Wait. <laughs> you see just like they're four teams in the division. You're giving everyone 25% chance of winning the division. That is insane. No, I'm giving the Steelers 30-something, the Browns 30-something, the Ravens like 30. Somehow I'll add up. I'm not sure how all the math works. I'm not sure you know how percentages work. Can <laughs> it go over 100? <laughs> no. <laughs> the, I, it might as well be. Ryan, what is a realistic percent chance the Bengals win the division? I would say like 2.5%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, five. I mean, I, I think – I'm trying to think like the – what are the Steelers? Are they more than 30, 40%? Yeah. Well, well, if you want to – between 30 and 40, I'd say. Maybe 35, 35, and 20, and then whatever's left over to the Bengals. Well, to... I think the thing is, you guys all agree that the division's wide open except yeah. for the Bengals, and I'm throwing the Bengals into that argument, which I don't oh. think is that crazy because the reason the division is wide open is because there's just been so much change. Like, yeah, the Browns are good on paper. Do we know if they're actually good? Uh, the Ravens have an offense that doesn't throw the ball. The Browns, the Steelers just lost their two best stars. The Bengals are the only team that, uh, you know, they're they're bringing back their a lot of change. Core, I'll tell you this. Here's what Vegas thinks. The Browns are plus 130. The Steelers are plus 180. So the Steelers are like two to one, right? The Browns are the favorite, but not, you know, you don't have to pay negative money. The Ravens are three and a half to one. And what do you think the Bengals are if I told you those first three? Ten? Five. To one. Yeah, waiting for Sean to guess. Oh. Uh, seven. Eighteen to one. Oh lord. Eighteen <laughs> to one? I'll I think there's a better chance they end up with a top pick than they win the division. I think so too. 
You guys agree? I'm with not that? saying they're gonna. I don't think they will end up with the top pick, but I think there's just a better chance well, that happens. Yeah, and I think that's not like oh the Bengals suck, haha, John. It's a uh, look at the path for them to get the first overall pick. It's a. It's not. It's like first year, twenty five year old head coach struggles with. 18th pick for defensive coordinator and Andy Dalton is injured. <laughs> Ryan Finley starts 12 games versus the path to win the division where it's like the Steelers and Browns both suck. Lamar Jackson's offense can't work with Greg Roman and Andy Dalton has the best year of his career under a new, under, under a new coach. I mean, like, I just think that the first option is more realistic than the second one. So if the Bengals make the playoffs, you guys have to wear red haired wigs and Andy Dalton jerseys for our first playoff podcast. I'm in. If they make the playoffs and get a carrot top tattoo, yeah, I'll get a, I'll okay. get an Andy. Already got one of those, John. I'll get an Andy. I'll get an Andy Dalton henna tattoo. Henna, not a henna. Not henna. No fake. Um, all right, let's get out of here. This turned into a long podcast, somehow. It always does. Love you guys. Yeah. Um, um, Wilson's hard out was an hour. I had a hard out. <laughs> right like an hour. Right had a hard out on Tuesday. Um, all right, that's the AFC North. Oh, pick your winner. Everybody, pick the winner real quick. John, you got the Bengals. Who you got? Yeah, I'm gonna take the Browns. You are actually don't pick your winner. You get to be, you get to make one bet. So you can bet on the Bengals to win the division if you so choose. That way you don't have to pick the Bengals to win the division. Get eighteen to one. Uh-huh. Ooh, uh, Baker Mayfield will have more passing yards than Andy Dalton. That's like minus nine hundred. Oh, here it is. Baker Mayfield will have more passing yards than Andy Dalton plus Lamar Jackson. Ooh. What are the odds on that? Are we just making That's, up our own bets at this know. point? You think, you think Ryan's like access, I thought, Ryan's I thought we were sport. picking like among the odds that you had sent us. I did too. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Ryan's accessing a sports book that like nobody like, with like crazy exotics. <laughs> Wins, Wins over, over Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there you go. All right, Breach, what's your what's your pick here? Wait for my. Uh, what am I betting on? Who am I betting on? You can bet on like the Steelers over. You can do an MVP bet. You can do whatever you want. You can be Bengals to win the division at 18 to 1. What, what I, you... I think my two favorite, I like the, I don't think the Bengals are going to win the division, even though mm. I'm not going to go full homer. I do not think they're going to win the division, but 18 to 1 is crazy divisional odds. You usually can't get that. And if you have even an inkling that that team could win it, and for me, 23% is an inkling, I would think about <laughs> making the bet, but I already said it. The Ravens over is my favorite bet, and that is something I might actually make. So the, Ravens by, over eight and a half. By the way, the only two teams with worst division odds. Are Dolphins and the Dolphins. Cardinals. That's right. The Cardinals are <laughs> the, the Dolphins. Wait, wait. See, I don't think the Cardinals the have a chance East, in like, the, the NFC Bills West. Have better and I don't think the Dolphins have the a Bills, chance in the AFC East. But the Bengals. Bills are twelve to one. The Jets are six and a half to one. That's the worst bet on the planet. What? The, the, the Dolphins <laughs> They're are not even the second best team in the division. The Dolphins are sixty to one to win their division. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, like that's that's not even a bad bet. Like sixty to one. Because if Tom Brady gets hurt, yeah, and suddenly it's a free for all with these three teams. And, and Rosen's you know, great. Yeah, would, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the Cardinals are thirty to one to win that division, which is interesting. Um, I, I think the Steelers over is the best bet. I also love the Steelers to win the division at plus one eighty. I think that's it's great value. Um, I would I will be hammering the Steelers over personally, and may do it earlier than later because I don't want it to go up to nine and a half. Sean, best bet for you. Bengals under, which is even odds. Slap in the face. Throwing your money away, Sean. Yep. Throwing your money away. <laughs> and it's and this like a boomerang. It's going to come right back to you with more money attached. That's how, this, <laughs> that's how the Bengals work. All right. Uh, for Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Wagner, McGuff, and Will Brinson, thanks for listening to the Pick 6 Pod. We'll be back on Monday. Yeah.